Remember, remember the 5th of November. You want to make the world a better place it starts right here between your own eyes and ears it starts in your mind capitalism could not survive in a culture dominated by mysticism and altruism the world is changing the age of the consumer is over stand up for freedom no matter what the cost, it can help to save your soul and maybe your country. Do you understand the forces shaping events in the world around you? Do you want to know the answers or just the issues? Do you know the secrets of prosperity economics? Live at FreeCapitalist.com across the nation, you're listening to the Free Capitalist himself, Rick Kerber. Welcome to another episode of Free Capitalist Radio. Today is November 5th. Remember, remember the 5th of November. We're going to talk about that a little bit. A lot of other things. We're going to pick up some of the conversations that have been going on online. But the first thing I want to do is welcome all of our listeners on the FM radio on 88.1, broadcasting here live from Liberty Reef. Also want to recognize those who are on Uber Conference. Uh, if you'd like to call into Uber Conference, you can at 435-414-1352. It'll ask you for a PIN. It's 85582. Um, tell your friends, you can email your friends, this kind of thing. And uh, Brad, if you want to get on Uber Conference uh, uh, today, I promise to get you on early in the show since we didn't get you on the show last time. And then, as always, our uh, friends here on Periscope, looks like we've got a few of you. Don't forget to share this on Facebook. Share this with your friends. Just swipe up there. Keep the hearts coming. I appreciate that. But swipe up and share this on Facebook, would you? And uh, tell your friends we're live here with some Brain On Radio. And uh, now that I've welcomed everybody, I can formally tell you it's time to wake up and turn your brain on. We need your brain to talk about the principles of prosperity and everything else we're going to talk about today. Now, today is the 5th of November, and to get right to it, I have to tell you, there is a little bit of technology challenge going on, and that is uh, a good thing and a bad thing. Kimball's telling me that, that what I should do is basically make the Periscope crowd kind of the behind-the-scenes crowd, and uh, so I think maybe uh, starting tomorrow, what we'll do is we'll actually do a little pre-show on Periscope, and then everybody who dials in on Uber Conference or who listens on FM, uh, they'll just get the normal show. And then we'll also maybe tell some private jokes or something during the commercial breaks because uh, on Periscope you don't get any commercials. So, uh, but but what I wanted to do is I wanted to start off with uh, reference to that great movie uh, V for Vendetta. Now there are some problems with that movie, obviously problems with all works of art. Uh, you know, if you got a brain, you probably got some criticism of anybody's expression. But uh, I love that show because it talks about the power of an individual who's got a determined purpose, uh, who's going to buck against the establishment and go up against uh, a power uh, that has has grown tyrannical. And uh, so November 5th is a special day for lots of reasons. Uh, November 5th is special in my family for personal reasons, but November 5th is also uh, special because November 5th is when we uh, officially launched the American Liberty Society, which is the outgrowth of the Free Cabals Project. We're building and organizing. And uh, Brad asked a question online today about what we can do about tyrannical prosecutors, and we're going to talk about that. And some of that has to do with um, being organized. 
and what we're doing with the American Liberty Society. So um, I see there are some people still dialing in and joining up on uh, Uber Commerce. I want to welcome you. And I still see some people sharing there on Periscope. So that's good. Uh, let me start with a conversation today uh, that was uh, uh, highlighted on the American Liberty Society discussion board. Now, if you're not on the American Liberty Society discussion page on Facebook, I invite you to join it. I invite you to get some friends to join it. I think we've got about as many members there as uh, Mary's Tulip Factory or something like that. We don't have very many. We, brain on folks need to start inviting their friends if we want to get a good conversation going. But the conversation has picked up recently. So you can go on Facebook and look for the official American Liberty Society page. And in that page, uh, you've got a friend of ours named Joshua has asked some questions. And I wanted to chime in on a couple of these topics. And if you've got some thoughts or some feedback and you want to chime in, on Uber Conference, you can type your comments on the right-hand side. And if you've got something you want to say, I can bring you on, on air here and uh, just tell me, say, hey, I want to be on air. And then... Um, if you also want to just type a message on Periscope, I'll try to catch it. If you type it and I miss it, you're going to have to retype it. But uh, the conversation started with, you know, kind of some brain on liberty thinking here. And, and we really need this. And, and I will tell you, it's amazing to me um, how lacking in basic understanding of principles uh, our modern society is. And, and I'm, I'm relieved to see what happens when people associate with uh, other liberty-minded people because their mind starts to turn on. Um, one of the things that I saw in a conversation, uh, you, we always see these defenses of socialism. And socialism is not a bad word in 2015, and that's just odd to me. Some of you remember that years ago, uh, well, I, I often on the seminar stage and on the radio show talked about kind of my beginning awareness of the political realities of the United States. When I was seven years old, I remember uh, sitting at home late at night on election night watching the election returns for the presidential election between Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter. Well, coincidentally, today, as I was getting ready for the show, I was doing some research and I was looking online, and I actually came across a YouTube version of the 1980 NBC News election coverage, and it literally teleported me back to when I was seven years old. And I literally was able to watch the same broadcast that I had a memory of, of the election returns. It's a six-hour broadcast of uh, what happened in 1980 and the surprise landslide election of Ronald Reagan. And the reason I remember that is my family, I grew up in a household of good Democrats, and my family was very upset that Ronald Reagan was winning this landslide election. And I remember as a young person thinking that elections matter. This is a big deal. Uh, I didn't know anything about Ronald Reagan except for my grandmother thought he was an ape. And, uh, and, I, and that was her... <laughs> Now, I don't mean like that was her term of an insult. Uh, yeah, I know, Emory, you weren't born. See, that's why that's why you don't understand socialism. It's not your fault. You're too young. But but now that you're associated with brain on capitalists, uh, you're going to have some stewardship to account for. Uh, I know you do well, Emory. I'm just teasing you a little bit because you're young, and, and I can do that. See, your husband doesn't have as much white in his beard uh, as a free capitalist. Um, but anyway... Um, I was I was watching that and 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 I'll talk more about that some other time. I had some really profound thoughts and some real deep personal memories, and I, I decided to do some research and I and I wanted to correct my memory a little bit. And I went back and I watched the very first press conference that Ronald Reagan gave after his election, and so this was in January 1981. Okay. And, and just think about that. I, I mean, that you know, I, I'm, I'm dating myself. I sound old, but look, I must have brown hair, and I still have hair. I can't be that old. And uh, I'm thinking 1981, I have to do the math. That's how old I am. I'm like 91, 2001, 2011. Wow, that's 34 years ago. 
But, but just think about this. In his first press conference, Ronald Reagan said as his national, as his top, one of his top priorities, he was focused on the lies being disseminated from the Soviet Union, who were committed to a global strategy of taking their socialist communist revolution to every country across the globe. Now, this was his press conference, 1981. I'm not talking 1964 now. I'm not talking World War II or World War I. Um, some, some guy, Brad, yeah, uh, thanks. Um, but I'm, I'm not talking about ancient history. I'm talking about when I was a boy. The President of the United States said the number one priority of the United States was to be aware and to counter this evil global effort by the Soviet Union to spread its socialist slash communist revolution to every state in the world. He said in 1981 that was their agenda and he, he went on to say that there hasn't been a leader of the Soviet Union uh, or of Russia in 20 years who hadn't stated that their long-term goal was the success of their quote-unquote socialist vision. This wasn't fringe political talk. This was political talk in the mainstream, if there was a mainstream. I mean, I you can call Ronald Reagan right-wing, but he won by a landslide election. He won uh, the election as by as, as significant of a landslide as FDR won his election in 1940. So, you know, the, the Democrats and the Socialists and the Liberals, they like to, to harken back to the time or the, 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 the era where FDR was popular and had this broad mandate to govern. When Ronald Reagan won you know, 45 plus states, I can't remember how many, uh, in, in the 1980 election, his first press conference talks about this global agenda to spread the socialist communist conspiracy. And here we are, fast forward now, where I am now a, a man with children the age that I was, and somehow there are people in the world that expect us to just turn our brain off, pretend like, you know, the socialists uh, aren't the same people that they were back then, and uh, just give up. But, but remember, Bernie Sanders was around also in 1981. He's no spring chicken. And Bernie Sanders in 1981 was part of that socialist communist conspiracy. He was specifically part, from his youth, he was specifically part of uh, communist and socialist organizations. Now, uh, he later declared himself anti-communist, pro-socialist. You know, that's like saying I'm a Republican but not a conservative, or I'm a conservative but not a Republican. You're still in the same boat, paddling the same direction. You're just on a different side of the boat, right? You're paddling on the left or on the right. Um, but, but here's why I bring that up. When people talk now about socialism, they talk about it like, you know, you know it's benevolence. It's about wanting to care for the poor. And it's about wanting to respect the rights of individuals. And it's about um, wanting to make sure that the corporate interests and the special interests don't have too much power over our democracy. And it's about making sure everybody has fair opportunity. And, and that's all a lie. That is not what socialism is. I understand that's the brand. I understand that's the, the feel-good, fuzzy feelings that a, like, a lot of you like to uh, associate. I mean, not you, but your sister. A lot of you like to, to, to... But if you think about it, if you turn your brain on and you actually look at what it advocates, it advocates all those warm, fuzzy things through government, which is the use of force, which results in tyranny, the growth of government, and, and the absolute loss of liberty. But people don't understand that because those are just words these days. People don't understand practically what that means, but I will tell you what it means. 
Um, and that relates to a conversation we're going to have a little bit later in the show um, with the topic that Brad raised. i got to check when the ad's coming up. Hold on a second here. We've got just a second. We've got about three minutes before the first uh, bumper break. I'm a, see, see, last night they caught me off guard, but I'm getting used to them now. I anticipated it. I knew it was coming. I had like a spidey sense right here. You know, just, just hey, Rick, hey, Rick, here come, here come those money makers. Oh my gosh, here they come. Uh, money, money, money. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, in this conversation, uh, uh, Joshua online, and I invite you to join that conversation in the Facebook uh, discussion by going to the official American Liberty Society discussion on Facebook. Joshua asked a question about rights, and he asked a question about whether producers have the right to destroy or whether it's ever good for a producer to engage in destruction. And, and some of that conversation is relevant. I want to chime in on it. And then I want to go to the conversation that Dolan, uh, Darian Oliphant uh, brought up about children and what rights children have. And I want to start off with the question whether producers destroy. And the answer is, of course, producers destroy. They are not destroyers in the general sense of the term, but of course a producer destroys. A, pr a producer can destroy things that are a threat to his inalienable rights because a producer can protect himself and a producer can protect his property. And if you don't like the word producer because that doesn't make sense to you, it's kind of a loose concept, just a free person. Okay, and, and a free person can destroy in lots of contexts. A free person can destroy their own property uh, for a productive purpose or for a consumptive purpose, for that matter. It may not be wise to do so, but they have the right to do it. It may not be good to do so, but they have the right to do it. Um, but a producer can destroy anything that's their own. Now, this, that's the right of private property. But the producer can also destroy things. Uh, Rick can destroy a case of five-hour energy. Man, I can consume <laughs> the five-hour energy like you wouldn't believe. But that's a topic. For, I'm not going to let you destroy. I'm not going to let you distract me, there, brother. I, I'm not going to take the bait. I already took a little bit, but I'm not going to take it anymore. Um, but the other time a producer can destroy, and, and so that conversation happened online, and, and I saw you guys kind of some of you chiming in, and and I just really invite you guys to get on there and chime in. Um, uh, and if you haven't got on there and gotten involved in the conversation, what are you doing? What are you doing? Come on, let's get involved. There's a reason why uh, I'm inviting you to do it that might not be apparent. Um, there's a greater purpose and there's a greater momentum and a greater power if you'll plug in. Now, uh, but there's another reason why a producer can destroy. If, if someone is threatening to you or threatening to th those you have stewardship over, you can protect yourself. And in that production, you can destroy. There's no question about it. Um, so a capitalist or producer or free person eschews the initiation of force. Now, that means the unprovoked initiation of force. Um, you you want to um, see a capitalist act with righteous indignation, threaten their life or their family, and, and they will unleash the power of destruction on you. So, Joshua, I'm not sure what motivated that question. You didn't, you're kind of playing sneaky with us and playing hide-and-seek with your idea there. So I don't know exactly what motivated the question, but I think that's a good general answer to the question. Now, the next part of that question, the conversation turned to uh, a comment by Darian uh, Oliphant that said uh, he had just realized something about children. And, and he made this comment that um, children uh, don't have the same rights as adults because they can't operationalize them or they can't exercise them. And I wanted to clarify that uh, because I think this is some brain-on thinking going on, and I wanted to chime in on that discussion. Um, children are born with rights. Oh, watch for the break. Thanks, Rafe. Oh. I talked right over it. <laughs> so, you know, the people on the broadcast, the people on the Uber conference, they have no idea. I just talked right over it. Can you hear the, can you hear the advertisement? I, I'm listening to 
Oh, you're listening to Periscope. All right. <laughs> well, Rafe, <laughs> like I say, ad-free radio right here. <laughs> Are they probably still hearing it, aren't they? No, I don't think so. Well, they might. What's on that phone? Maybe I've been talking over. You can hear both. Yeah, I was talking over the, I was talking over the ads the whole time. Boy, I'm gonna get egg for that one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have to pick up the phone and listen to the FM radio. That's how I get it here, to avoid that feedback loop. So. Okay, we got to hear you sing the uh, bumper music when it comes on. Make the time bigger and have somebody watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, don't be a hater there, Rafe. Don't be a hater. Uh, we're still working this out, you know. I'm a, I'm a, now I'm going to play the old man card. When I started Free Capital Radio as a young man, it wasn't all this complicated. <laughs> uh, you know, when, when, when we used to have to broadcast uphill on the microphone and uphill on the headphones, uh, you know, both ways. Uh, so, anyway, to those of you on Uber Conference, I apologize. You had to listen to ads and me talking over the top of that. I... I didn't realize uh, that I was doing that. Uh, that'll be um, both ways. You know, like when your old man tells you you used to walk to school in the snow and it was uphill going both ways. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, you youngsters. <laughs> well, back to the point about whether children have rights. Let's get clear on what rights are. And this, this goes back, and I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I, there was more of a conversation online also about uh, something I referenced yesterday and the day before about the burning and shredding of the Constitution. And, and, and let's get real clear on this. There's a difference between having a right and exercising it. There's a difference between being endowed with the right and being able to act in accordance or through the empowerment of that right. Okay, when a child... Uh, when a human being comes into existence, they're immediately endowed with the right to life. Now, that doesn't mean they are endowed... Keep up the light. Oh, you're going, you're checking out, okay. Uh, it doesn't. It, when you're endowed with a right to life, it doesn't mean you have the right to make others keep you alive. It means you have the right not to be killed. You have the right not to be aggressed against. Remember, force destroys freedom and prosperity. It also destroys life. And so, in a principle, moral society, as soon as a human being's life comes into existence, that life is endowed with the right to its life. In other words, no other person can morally be justified in taking <coughs> that child's life. Or, or, as it grows into an adult, that adult's life. So, so that child definitely is born with its rights, okay? That child also has the right to liberty. But that right does not operationalize until that child becomes rational. Because liberty is the exercise of the rational mind, okay? 
Uh, liberty is the exercise, and, and the reason it has to be rational is because you don't have the liberty to take an AK-47 and start randomly shooting and say, well, I didn't intend to kill anyone, so therefore my intention governs, and uh, I had the right to do that. No, no, no. You have the right to liberty, which means to act based on reason. Now, we could even go even further and just say to act so long as your actions don't infringe on the rights of others, but to understand what the rights of others are, to understand that those rights exist, you have to have a reasonable faculty. You have to have some degree of reflection. If you don't, you're a sociopath. And, and so anyway, the point is, uh, not to get into a philosophical dissertation here, the point is a child has the right to liberty. And here's why that's important, because as the child grows, there's a difference between a child when the child is six months old and when the child is 17 years old. And by nature, the parents and the family are the first stewardship over that child. Because the man and the woman who chose to make that child voluntarily have a stewardship over that child's life that that child has an endowed right to. And that stewardship is to nurture that child and raise up that child and nurture that child's other rights. For example, the right to liberty. That child also has a right uh, to pursue happiness and a right to property. But the first property we all have is our body, and the child does not have the absolute exercise of the right until they come of majority or they come of age. And by nature, that doesn't happen at the same time for all young people. By law in the United States, primarily it happens at the age of 18. Some states are different, but generally as our culture in the United States, we, we say we recognize that it could be different for different people, but generally speaking, 18 is considered the age of majority, which means by the time you're 18, you are expected to be able to be held accountable by others for the exercise of your rights. Therefore, that's why there's a moral argument against the death penalty against juveniles, for example. That's why there's a moral argument saying, well, if a 12-year-old gets a gun and kills somebody, you can't really kill them morally because they weren't yet accountable for the exercise of their liberty. Um, but and, and therefore, to take away their right to life is, is actually a punishment that's unjust or immoral to them. Um, but that doesn't mean there can't be any punishment on the parents. Boy, and I, that's a whole other can of worms for a whole other discussion. But because parents have a stewardship over their children, it is morally justifiable to hold parents accountable for the damage that their children invoke or, or partake. So a civil lawsuit for wrongful death and these kind of things, that would be very morally appropriate. Um, now, um, let's think about this for a minute. A child... Uh, when they're born, doesn't voluntarily assent to the use of force over them and their body by their parents. Right? Matter of fact, sometimes children dissent from the use of force. That's true. And um, and you know, it, religiously, I've got an explanation for why that's the case. We'll leave that maybe for a Sunday discussion or a Sunday show. But but leaving that aside and just talking about what's obvious by nature, what's self-evident by nature, um, a child who does not yet have accountability. Um, we sometimes in the law uh, talk about getting, um, what do they call it uh, when you get liberated? Emancipated. We call it emancipation. A minor can be emancipated for their parent. Once a, once a human being is emancipated and is recognized as being emancipated under the law, what we're saying as a society is that's a bright line rule. Even though by nature it doesn't exist in a definitive 
time, in terms of how many times you've been on the earth going around the sun, generally it's about that amount of time, about 18 years, when it's morally acceptable, and there are exceptions, uh, to hold a person accountable for their actions in the exercise of their rights. Now, uh, I want to I want to teach you this because in, this may not be scintillating radio in the sense that it's entertaining, but let me be educating for you. For those of you who are on here, let's just do a little bit of education. Am I, am I missing the radio break again? How far is it? I'm going to set a timer so I can warn you. Well, just when you see it, get to the purple. And so measure the time. So it says 23 minutes now. I think purple's at 45 or something. I don't know. 30. Looks right at 30. Just give me a hand signal or something so I don't talk over the ad again. See, I tell you, get a hold of Israel Curtis. We really could use Israel. Uh, best kind of entertainment. I want to do some education here. Uh, so, so those of you who are a little sleepy and want to go to bed, just pick this up tomorrow on the podcast. Um, but if you want to really understand government and understand liberty, let me, let me teach you something. A child um, can make all kinds of poor decisions because the rational faculty is not developed, etc. And so clearly, and, and Darian mentions this, clearly a parent has a moral obligation to use force to protect a child, even against the child's will sometimes, right? And it's hard. It's a hard judgment call. That's why families become the fundamental unit of society, and family should have lots of deference, and the state has no role in interfering with how a family raises a child unless that child's first right, their right to life, is being destroyed. Now, as that child's or infringed upon or unrighteously abridged, and then, you know, that would be like, for example, child abuse. If a child's getting beaten, then, then that fundamental unit of society is not protecting the rights. The purpose of government is to protect or secure the rights of those it governs. But see, children can't assent to the government so of their parents. And so if the parents become abusive... Physically, they're, they're violating that first right, which is operational from the beginning, that right to life. Now, liberty, you know, in, unless it's such an egregious abuse of their liberty that it threatens their life, there's no moral justification to interfere with um, the operation of a family. Now, uh, there's going to be an asterisk there because there's lots of gray area for other instances of, of abuse, but, but we're not, that's not the purpose of this conversation. I want to show you something that's, that's awesome. Okay? I want to show you something that's just, that'll turn your brain on, change the way you see yourself, your relationship with your family, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children. The purpose in parenting, in teaching your children the right way as they grow, is they learn to assent to your righteous government. They learn to recognize the principles of good government. I don't mean the institution of government. I mean the art of governing. And they, they start to appreciate. You know, I remember when I was a young child, um, I was standing on the edge of a state highway, and I took a step because I looked the wrong way, and my cousin reached over, who was older than me, and he reached over and used physical force, and he protected me, and he grabbed me against my will. I was really mad at him until I turned and saw this 55-mile-an-hour uh, car rush by, and I would have been dead. And I learned to respect my cousin's judgment. And that's what children do to parents. As parents act in the just interest of their children, the purpose is that the child grows over time to respect the law of that household. Remember, a family is a household. Okay? It's not about who's having sex with whom. That's the modern political nonsense. A family is defined by a household. And there are uh, godly households and ungodly households and all that. And again, that's a religious conversation. But let's just talk about civics for a minute. A family is defined as a household. And a household is defined by one rule. And in other words, what defines a household is a group of people who choose to live under one rule, group of adults, usually at least one, well, if it's one person, you don't choose, I mean, you govern yourself. Uh, so it's at least two adults. Um, you, can, you can be a household with one person, but generally speaking, the reason the concept household exists, we would need that concept unless it could grow to encompass more than one living adult. It could be many adults. Matter of fact, if you go back and quote Webster in the 1830s, he includes servants and those who choose voluntarily to live in the household. 
Now, the child doesn't choose voluntarily, but over time they grow to choose. They grow to assent. And by the time they're 18 or reach that age of majority, they're given the choice on whether they want to continue in the government of that household or whether they want to leave their father's house. That's the phrase, to leave their father's house. You hear you know, the old concept of parents cutting off their children. And we think about it in terms of inheritance, but, it, but there's a broader context where if a parent renounces or cuts off a child, what the parent is saying is, hey, I'm no longer accepting responsibility for the acts of this child. Okay, and, and, and then when a child gets to be the age of majority and wants to go off and create their own household, they can choose to continue to act under the government of their parents and then creating their own household. And then you have households within households within households. That's building of a kingdom. Okay, that's literally civically what kingdoms are. And what happens is that child still submits to the rules the rules of their parents, but the rules aren't the same. So if the parents start to exercise unrighteous dominion, see, once I'm 18, I have liberty. I have the full embodiment of liberty. And for me, frankly, it was about age 13, but um, you have the full embodiment of liberty. And if therefore my parents unjustly curtail my liberty, I have the right to say, I want out. I don't want to be a part of this government, of this household anymore. Because all of God's government and all of good government is voluntary assent. That's what Jefferson says, that good government obtains its power and authority by the consent of the governed. And so as I, as a young man, and you as young women and, and young men, as you started to grow into maturity, you got to choose whether you were going to continue under the rule of your household. Most people have no clue, and most parents don't have any clue. And that's why families falling apart, it's why households are falling apart, and it's why we can't beat uh, the political party that's our enemy in general elections, because we don't understand this but if you understand this it starts to radically transform things and do it quickly so what happens is when my, let's say I have a child who's 18 and says yeah dad I still want to be part of your household and I say fine you know I will pay for you to get a college education I will pay for an apartment I will pay for a car and I will pay for the insurance but under these terms and conditions see we have family council here's our rules here's the, what, what we expect of you here's family tithing here's what you've got to contribute to the family budget here's what you've got to do to participate and help your mother and to help our home and help our homestead that's the purpose of a homestead by the way because it was the seat of your family government okay and you had an obligation to it just like a citizen of the united states has an obligation to the state of the united states or the nation of the united states and what happens is so long as that child wants to abide by my rules and my government then then my kingdom grows and my government grows it's five a right seconds. five five seconds ah yeah i want you to think about this here's the question for you during the break here's the question for you during the break does submitting to righteous government require the surrendering of any of your rights? Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Boom. I did it right. Okay, Periscope. Now, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. I'm going to answer the rest of the questions really fast before everybody gets a chance to get back online. Then you're going to know the answer. They won't know the answers, and we'll already be done. And everybody wonder what <laughs> Okay. I was trying to be funny. I don't know if that was funny. All right. Oh, yeah, the change in church policy about uh, the children of uh, same-sex couples. That's true. Uh, is anybody else thirsty? Whew.
do I have any more Mountain Dew? I'm on my last one, man. This is the last Diet Mountain Dew in Liberty Reef. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Uh, do you get Diet Mountain Dew with withdrawals? You want to see me doing some disco there, Brad? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> hey, that Geico commercial is money, brother. Money. <laughs> Hey, that's for bread. Or that was, sorry. I don't know if you guys can hear me, all right? Did that, did you do something there? Did it? It's done. All right. Well, did you guys hear the commissars? Was that the commissars? Yeah, that was for Brandon. You know, the commissars were in town. I got to get some headphones so I can hear that. That would help me, actually, if I could do that. Um, uh, but, but uh, you know, Periscope, you'll see me in headphones. Matter of fact, there's a real funny thing. Um, you can't hear the music like before. Hmm. That you can hear me, right? But Periscope can't hear it because it's only broadcasting. Yeah, Periscope is not supposed to be able to hear the music yet. Periscope is the backstage pass. It's behind the scenes. Yeah, Periscope is a backstage pass, man. Don't you get it? All right, so so let's fin finish this conversation, then I'm going to bring Brad Green online because we're going to have a conversation. Um, so, so here's the thing. The question was, do you have to send a... See, a just government, if you go to the Declaration of Independence and you get the definition of a just government, it says governments are instituted among men to secure their rights. And whenever any government becomes destructive of that end, it's the right and the duty of the people to alter or abolish that government. So if, if, if your parents continue to exercise government over you and, you and you're not sacrificing your rights, it's just government, you would want the protection and help. Uh, because, you know, we live in a world where sometimes an individual is powerless against other individuals. And we want the resources of our household and our home and our brothers and our sisters to be brought to bear. We want to share resources. You know, we talk about in business, maybe creating business partnerships and pooling our capital together. But it's also about pooling our strength. You know, I'll tell you, a side note, we won't, we won't go too much into this. But back in Wyoming, you know, I had a family member who got into a little situation with the man who was not being very just to her and a few members of my family and I got together and we pooled our physical resources and we went and made sure that didn't happen again. We didn't do anything unlawful uh, or illegal, but we took care of it and that's what would happen. You, you don't need to call 911 every time somebody gives you a dirty look, you know. And that's right. Up here there is, no, there is nothing, yeah. And so, so here's the point. So all good government is voluntary. So then what happens is you grow and you form community governments it's when you enter into contractual relationships or voluntary agreements with other families and other households about how you will mutually relate and engage with each other. And then that's how good government grows. And that's how you ultimately can form a community, a city, and then a county, and a state, and a nation. And, and the challenge we have in the United States is we've gone so far away, well, across the world, but we've gone so far away from that understanding of the true doctrine of government that, that a lot of libertarian-minded people become anarchists and anti-statists because they don't see a legitimate role for the state, because they don't they don't understand how all good government is voluntary in nature. And, and, and let let me just show you, this is a rocky world, let me just show you, just like a child can opt out of a family government, um, any citizen of any nation in principle should be able to opt out of the government of that nation. So for example, if you're charged with a crime and you don't want to face the justice system of that crime, if that government was truly moral, they would give you this option. They would say, well, either face the justice system or get out. 
And if you come back having escaped the justice system, you have no rights here. So your life is in jeopardy. So, so if, if you show your face around here again, any of our citizens can just shoot you. Do you understand? You have no rights here. That was banishment. That's what happened to Moses in Egypt. Okay, He had the death penalty pronounced upon him, so he left. That's what was so scary and risky about him coming back to, to Egypt is because under the civic law in Egypt, which was really a, a tyrannical law, but, but, but that, that was originally good government set up by good civics. And under that law, since he had violated the law and not faced justice according to the law, his rights were now morally no longer protected by that, and any of the citizens of that government, including the pharaoh, uh, could take his life. And so, for example, um, we've got this weird notion, and conservatives are horrible about this, we've got this weird notion that the justice system is supposed to punish people and supposed to exact retribution. And that's never the role of good government. You won't find that in the Constitution or in the Declaration of Independence. The founders did not have any such thing in mind. That's just nonsense conservatism. And even the liberals get into it nowadays. But the idea that somebody gets their justice through a court system is absurd. The purpose of the courts is not to administer retribution. The purpose of the court system is to further encourage the proper role of government, which is the exercise and protection of people's rights. Okay. And so, for example, if, if, if you came to my home and you... you brutally beat my friend here uh, within an inch of his life and we put you on trial in the civic court for attempted murder okay and you said now i don't want to face it then you would have in a moral government you'd have the right to get out and if somebody would take you if cuba would take you north korea would take you why do we care it doesn't hurt us if you're gone it helps us if you're gone and we just put a warning out we put you know we say hey if you ever come back Kimball or anybody who knows Kimball or anybody who knows that you're not welcome here, we could shoot you on sight. You know, that banishment. See, that's when people don't understand the old law of Moses. You read the majesty of God's law, Dr. Skousen will teach you it wasn't an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and that kind of thing, the way you think of it. It wasn't like, oh, if you walk too many steps on the Sabbath, the penalty was death. Death meant that you were banished, which means then if you stayed in the community, you would be subject to the loss of all your rights. And, you know, you were basically at the mercy of the people. And so you would have to leave that community, much more just, much more moral society. We've lost that, can't get that back anytime soon, but we could get it back in our lifetimes. Um, uh, but that's a different discussion. The reason I want to have that discussion with you is about children. Children have their rights. They're born with them. They're inalienable. You can't take them away. But, but parents generally have a stewardship while that young life grows into maturity until they can exercise and be responsible for those uh, liberties and pursuing pursuing of happinesses <laughs> pursuing of happinesses um, now I, I want to uh, transition that into another conversation because Brad asked a question and it actually relates to this and so Brad I'm gonna try you'll be the first live caller well we did with Brandon the other day um, let's see hold on. submitting to the government is the surrender of the right of self-rule in exchange for mutual protection I don't know who told you that who says that who said that I, I don't know who you are uh, electric idealist. No, no, no. It is not the surrender of your rights for mutual protection. Absolutely not. When when you enter into government, it's a contractual relationship. It's just like if you and I contract with each other, and we don't surrender any of our rights. We may condition the exercise of our rights based on mutual pledges or mutual promises, but we can opt out of contracts. There, you know, and the conditions of contracts can be spelled out. There is never a time where good government tells you that 
you have lost rights. You don't, you can't, matter of fact, you, you can't surrender inalienable rights. The only way that statement could be true that you just spoke of is if you're talking about delegated rights, concurrent rights, um, uh, equitable rights, things like that, where, for example, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Uh, this, 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 I was going to say bonehead, but he wasn't really a bonehead. This brain off person who was debating with me. No, surrender of self-rule in exchange for the protection of all other rights. No, you are not surrendering self-rule. As a matter of fact, a free society cannot work if anyone in that society doesn't accept the idea of self-rule. You're first and foremost in charge of yourself. You don't surrender self-rule. The only thing you're delegating in that kind of government is uh, the imposition of consequences or punishments. Because we believe in this concept called due process. And principle four says that perspective determines action. We, we recognize as rational human beings that our perspective is fallible. So what we do is we retain the right to act in defense of our rights and to protect ourselves. But we recognize it would make everyone's lives better if we delegate the exercise of that self-rule in, in administering punishments and in administering consequences uh, and in arbitrating disputes. But but it, but self-rule, when you go to court, let me give you an example. When you go to court in a just society, there are two parties there. This weird idea that's crept into the United States since the 1970s, that it's overtaken us, this weird idea that the state represents the people, it, it's, it's a corruption of the founder's model. Because what happens is you end up in a courtroom, like we're going to talk to Brad here in just a second, you end up in a courtroom where... The jury doesn't recognize they're an independent political body. They think they work for the government. The judge works for the government. The prosecutors work for the government. The it, legal systems become so expensive, the public defender works for the government. And so you got all the government, the, the one person just sits there like this, see? And, 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 and you know, my friend Gabe, he's just put on trial, and the, the people he supposedly harmed weren't even there. You know, it was just the government acting for them. And that's absurd. That's a perversion of a just system. Because what happens is, in self-rule, you have to be accountable for your allegation against another human being. If another human being, that's, you know, it, it's implicit in the Sixth Amendment, and it's implicit in other amendments in the Constitution that says you have a right to a fair trial, you have a right to confront witnesses, you have a right to call witnesses, etc. Um, self-rule can't be delegated. What? Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe a conversation, you want to call in, let's talk about this, but a conversation over Periscope is not going to get this done. We delegate self-rule all the time. I'll give you an example. You and I enter into a business contract. You agree that you're going to give me a cow and beef for a year in exchange. I agree that I'm going to put shingles and siding on your house. You've delegated to me your desire to secure your family and provide and protect for your family, and I have delegated to you this sort of thing. It's a conditional delegation. I'm not surrendering my rights. I'm just empowering you to act on my behalf for me. And that way, if you're acting in my employee and you do something wrong, then I'm related to that. You know, I mean, so so I understand there's a philosophical conversation you're probably trying to get at, but the comments here aren't coming through. And, and so, so let me just be clear. Government does not require, good government does not require that you give up any rights. Let's have them call into Uber Conference. Yeah, you can call into Uber Conference if you want. 435-414-1352. Use the pin 85582. And, and along that lines, I'm going to try and do this here. I'm going to bring Brad online. Brad, are you ready? Let's see. I'm going to do this. This. And then... Are you there? All right. Who do I got? Who is that? Let's see. Hey, Brad, can you hear me? Can you hear me? 
I can hear you. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Yeah, I can. Can you hear me still? No, I don't hear you. Okay, so how do we get him to hear me? Because with me muted on there. Yeah, hold on a second. Who's <laughs> is this? Is you? No, that, that's the phone. Ah, how about that one? Hey, Brad, can you hear me now? Yes, sir, I can. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Now, can you hear me if I put this receiver down? Can you still hear me all right? I can still hear you all right. Oh my gosh. Now, everybody on Periscope, can you hear Brad? Brad, sing the ABCs or something so they can tell me if they hear you or not. All right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We've mastered the technology. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, Pilatus wants to come on, and he wants to have a comment as well. But, Brad, you, you made a comment. Uh, by the way, I apologize for not bringing you on yesterday. Uh, let's take a look how much time we got. Oh, you know, wouldn't you know what? I brought you on right about the time that we have a commercial break. <laughs> 45 seconds. <laughs> so you're going to hang with me through the commercial break, right? Well, uh, you you had made a comment. I wanted to, you, you know, the comment you had about, you know, what do we do with uh, these overzealous prosecutors? Uh, interested if, 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 if you want to talk about that on the show tonight. I would love to. All right. All right. Now I'm now I'm now I've uh, anticlimactic. I've 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 uh, preemptorily prepared in advance, and the commercial's not here yet. So. Uh, We'll work out the kinks, man. We're getting better. This only this only like uh, the fourth episode or something like that since we've restarted. So you gotta give me at least a week to get back in the saddle. So, all right, Brad, hang on, hang on just a second. All right. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I muted it, yeah. So just Periscope can hear. Let's test. Periscope, can you still hear me? All right, thanks, Ryan. All right. But Uber Conference, y'all can't hear me, right? The patented blue IntelliJill found only in a My Comfort mattress, the most advanced sleep surface in the world. Providing superb spinal alignment with no pressure points. For a limited time, take home a My Comfort sleep system for as little as. Well, if you don't want to hear the music, you have to say something. You don't. You don't. You don't want to hear the ads, Ryan. They got the backstage pass. They don't want to hear ads. <laughs> but if I don't hear the music, I don't know when we're back on air. So. <laughs> Travelocity presents the Caribbean Crazy Savings Sale. The savings are bonkers. Book a flight and six-night hotels to the Caribbean and get $150 off. I don't know who the green hearts are, but you keep them coming. Hey, it's the Caribbean Crazy Savings Sale. Book now and save. Ah, I was not muted. I need the big control boards like I used to have. For $150 off. Oh, crazy. 
I think the church policy change is consistent with the doctrines of the church. Turn your brain on. This is your wake-up call. You're listening to Rick Kerber on Free Capitalist Radio. Sing it, Rick. <laughs> sing it. What do you want me to sing? Vamanos! <laughs> All right, Brad, are you still there? Yeah, I can hear you great. All right, so so Ryan Best says, Brad, bring the passion in the brain, big guy. <laughs> Good, Brad. Uh, Ryan, dude, I miss you big time. So, so... Uh, one of the very few things I miss about Northern Utah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Best. Mr. Best, he's one of the things you miss about Northern Utah. Well, well, Brad, why don't you introduce the topic here? You made a pretty poignant post on the discussion uh, group there on the American Labor Society discussion group on Facebook. Why don't you introduce it for the listeners so those who aren't familiar with it understand the nature of your comment slash question. Okay. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting the way you have phrased it. Uh, you know, in Lita. Um, you know, we have a we have a mutual friend who, who's being pro, uh, persecuted right now by the the commissars, and um, you know it, it leads to a lot of, of, of thought, at least for me, uh, you know, thought and prayers in his direction. But I have, I have another friend who is uh, um, he, he is uh, significantly more colorful than, than my typical friends, and, and he just uh, is in court this week as well um, for. Again, another similar instance where he uh, stepped on the wrong toes and, you know, they're threatening to take away his freedom. And I'm just sick of it. I and mean, I've seen so much of it. And, it, you know, it's good to see victories like yours, uh, like Jason's. Um, but I, I also see times where the, the good guy loses short term. Uh, and sometimes when good guy loses long term, like that guy that thought they had it and just died in prison last week. Um, so I, you know, my thought was was twofold. I I posted that on there because you, you know you're watching some scintillating conversation, and, and for the group, and so why we we want to build that group. And um, I, I, you know, I figured that if it keeps my mind up at night, it might keep other people interested. And the second thing was. Um, it's useful, I think, for us to consider what to do about it because we all notice it. Once you turn your brain on, you can't help but see the injustice that's being forced on people in the name of the public good. Well, you know, the question about what to do about it, Brad, I, I'll tell you, that's the golden question. And um, tomorrow we're going to do a show that I call The Blueprint to Personal Liberty, or uh, just the map, the personal liberty map. But before we get too specific, let, let's talk about first the nature of the problem, and then let's talk about what to do about it. You know, tyranny obviously is the problem, but specifically in the court system, we've got a problem that I was just hinting to a little earlier, and that is that we have countless prosecutors. They don't represent anyone. They just get to act on their own will. And, you know, you have district attorneys, you have justice court prosecutors, you have 
Uh, sometimes in some states, like in South Carolina, anyone uh, can uh, in the government can claim the role of the state. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, and, and so you have these unaccountable prosecutors claiming to act in the name of the people. And, and, and so one of the challenges, the founders didn't envision that kind of justice system. And, and worse, in like the federal court system, which Gabe was just up against, you have a United States attorney's office, and the United States attorney is appointed by the president of the United States. But the United States attorney does very little legal work in most districts. Um, usually it's assistant United States attorneys who are career bureaucrats. And, you know, like in, in, in Utah, we have a very corrupt bureaucrat named Stuart Walls. Uh, he's been a career prosecutor for 30 years. He's well known as being corrupt. Uh, people are afraid of him because of his corruption. He's also very smart. And by corrupt, let me be clear what I mean. He's smart and he breaks the law. And he knows he breaks the law and he does it to get his desired result. Um, and quite literally, I've heard federal judges say that Stu Walls is the kind of prosecutor who uh, can you know, decide you know, a person's fate before it ever gets to court. And so you, you have to realize, you know, 90% of the cases, are you still there with me, Brad? Matt, we got lots of weird noises. Don't you worry about weird noises. This, this, is, the, this is the age of the Internet, man. Their weird noises make, means real, raw, and relevant. Just ask Garrett White. I'm just trying really hard to be I, uh, I, 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 that was a friendly jest, uh, or joust, or, or whatever, uh, or poke. Um, jab. That was a friendly jab to Garrett. Oh, he's probably tougher than me physically. I don't know, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Might have to get in a ring with him and see, but I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe. We'll see. Uh,. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 for those of you on Periscope, I, I should move the camera so you could have seen the look I just got from Kimball. <laughs> Kimball's like, Rick, you can't even bend over and tie your shoes. Maybe get in a, maybe get in a debate ring with him. Right? <laughs> so, probably not a physical. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, I drink the full strength Mountain Dew. Well, well. Anyway, the the point of the matter is the first problem we have is we have unaccountable prosecutors, and the second problem we have is people, individuals, uh, citizens. They they have been trained, taught, and educated to understand the courtroom in an illusion. They don't understand the role, for example, of grand juries, and um, the other thing is juries themselves. They the jurors don't understand their role on the jury. So we have we have a bureaucratic problem, which is a which is a technical governmental structure problem. We have an education problem for those citizens who serve on grand juries and those citizens that serve on trial juries. And then we have a bigger problem. And that is, going back to the ancient Romans, and I talked about this earlier, we used to believe in this concept of a liberal education, meaning libertas, meaning free liberty. And the idea of a liberal education was that by the time a, a person reached the age of accountability, which in you know, our society is roughly 18, they were comfortable, knowledgeable, and capable of standing up and advocating and defending before their government, which includes before the executive, which would be like regulators. It includes the uh, legislative, which would be before like legislators. And it would be judicial, which would mean in a court of law. And, and we, have, we have abdicated, not delegated, we have abdicated largely as a people um, the first and the third one of those. And we're on the path to abdicating the legislature too. I mean, the number of citizens who are active in working with their legislature is, is, is less than 1%. But the, the number of citizens who know how to interact with the administrative branches of government, the executive branches of government, I mean, I, 
I know in my sphere of influence, and I work with attorneys and law firms and people who need help, and I work with businessmen and capitalists, and I know like three or four people who even understand what I'm talking about when I say that. And then the worst, what you're talking about, your colorful friend and our friend Gabe, the worst is people don't know how to defend themselves in a court of law. And lawyers these days are very expensive. The bureaucracy there has become very monopolistic. And the bar associations have been highly unjust to the citizens of this country. It's a it's an unholy alliance. It's a secret combination. It's whatever you want. It's a horrible, horrible situation. But the remedy, that one's a little different. So the structural remedy requires some government reform and holding prosecutors accountable. Um, the education remedy has to do with target marketing education towards people on juries and people uh, who can influence people on juries. But the most direct remedy to stand up for freedom is to teach and empower individuals how to advocate, defend, and, and participate for themselves in the court system. And, and that is a very serious thing, and everyone within the sound of my voice could start working on it right now. And what we do is we it's like going on a diet. We, we, we know it makes sense, and we know we should do it. We know we should exercise more, but we don't because it's painful. It hurts our mind. It's like, you know, I remember, you know, people starting to talk to me about carbohydrates, and I, I, I was ashamed to admit I don't know what carbohydrates are. I went to government school. And, uh, and I, I mean, even, even the other day, quite honestly, I was reading this news story about, you know, I'm getting healthier. People don't realize it. I, this is a vice of mine. It's, it's not a long-term vice. I haven't been doing it very long. Uh, but... Um, my health has actually radically improved. I've, I've made many, many major uh, steps forward. But I was just reading a story the other day about sugar, and the, the, this doctor was encouraging that you substitute simple carbohydrates with complex carbohydrates. And I honestly, I thought to myself, I have to go Google that because I don't know what a simple carbohydrate is versus a complex carbohydrate. I, I, don't, I don't understand. And that's how most people feel about the court system. But I'll tell you, the first answer, my friend, is to learn how to personally get involved. And I will tell you, that's one of the things that worked against Gabriel. And I love my brother. I just talked to him today for like an hour. He certainly did not deserve what happened. It was a horribly unjust thing that happened. Uh, but one of the things he was up against, he, he had a very difficult time even participating in his own defense and making strategic decisions on his own and communicating with his attorneys. He went through several attorneys over long periods of time and, and, and you know, his strategy, in my opinion, was underdeveloped and under, you know, and his attorney wasn't even getting paid. He was a government paid for attorney, but he, you know, the government, you know, they all work for the same pot of money and prosecutors were playing trickery so that, you know, Gabe's defense didn't even know uh, what witnesses there were gonna be until like two weeks before trial, even though he'd been indicted for like five years. And, and that kind of trickery you can fight if you know how to fight. But, but most people don't know how to fight, so we've got to remedy that. And tomorrow when we talk about our personal blueprint to liberty or our personal liberty maps, um, that's something we can start on today. That's something you must start on today. And as a father, it's something you can correct for the next generation by preparing your children, um, even in your own homes. Um, learning what due process is. Learning what a principal prosecution is. Let me give you an example. Um, Oh man, are we gonna be done with the show? Two minutes. Weesh, I'm just getting started. We might have to uh, let Periscope and Uber stick with us through the FM break. Were you surprised when I beat them? Well, let me tell you, surprised is a different word. Whenever it says United States of America versus whoever, it's a surprise that whoever even has a life after that. I mean, it, it's it's doesn't matter whether it's war or law. Um, so when I surprise wouldn't be exactly the word relieved. 
um, thanking God, recognizing the hand of providence. But I worked my butt off. I mean, I wrote uh, 90% of the, the motion practice for the uh, two years prior. And we, we kind of saw the writing on the wall. Uh, to get real personal with you, Ryan, uh, I had some inspiration before what happened. I wrote down in my journal what was going to happen the day we went to court. So I would have a witness because I told God, I said, God, if you get me out of this, uh, I will I will confess that it was you the whole time. It was not me. It was not my attorney. But uh, and that's true. Uh, but like most things, agency implies stewardship. And uh, I had a stewardship and I fought like Hades uh, against these corrupt people. Um, they were bad, dude. I mean, they cheated. They stole. They lied. They I mean, that gave you one one simple example. They the this stupid prosecutor named Stu Young, who's another corrupt prosecutor, he went to BYU and was given a, a seminar to law school class and said I was a corrupt Mormon bishop with money stashed in the Caymans and, and a drug abuser and Well, I guess that'll have to be a story for a different day. Brad, come back tomorrow, we'll have some more conversation. I uh apologize for over talking the break, guys. Free Capitalist Radio. Talk to you tomorrow, same time, same place. Hey, for you guys on Periscope, uh, that was a pretty abrupt ending. Uh, everybody on Uber Conference is gone. Everybody on FM is gone. Uh, tomorrow, if you want to get on Periscope a little early, we'll have a little pre-show uh, commentary and maybe even a little uh, after-show commentary. And we'll start that. Uh, Kimball's trying to tell me this should be like the backstage pass. So uh, you'll get more questions and more time. Uh, and, uh, boy, as short as these shows are going, we might have to get a two-hour radio block there on FM. So... Uh, Stay tuned. This is just the first uh, week of Free Cabbage Radio. Hope your brain's on. Uh, just five or ten minutes early, Emory. Just five or ten minutes. And by the way, thanks for being patient with us. We, we had some personal changes to plan this week. So, All right, you guys. Warm regards from Liberty Reef.